Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Small Data with T, where we are passionate about the power of small data in healthcare. I am your host, Tanasia Gonzalez, but you can call me T. Data has certainly changed the game in healthcare. Big data has blown the roof off, but small data, now that's the future. Small data allows us to dive deep into the key insights and take quick, customized action to achieve phenomenal results in performance and quality improvement. Let's explore this today. Thanks so much for joining us. If you have any questions for me or any of my guests, feel free to reach out to me at tgonzalez at eima-inc.com. Enjoy the show. Let's go. It was more than 20 years ago that we experienced one of the deadliest high school shootings in history. And that was at Columbine High School on 4-20-1999. This shooting claimed the lives of 15 people and a number of individuals were injured. And so many were left with ripple effects of this event that go on for many years after the event takes place. It's more than the family and friends of those who have lost their lives that suffer, but it's also the survivors that have to move on past this event, which leaves them with long-standing helplessness, anger, fear, and countless other ripple effects and lasting, lasting emotions of trauma. My guest today, Heather Martin, is one such survivor. She is the co-founder and executive director of the Rebels Project, named after the Columbine mascot, supports survivors of trauma resulting from school shootings and other trauma incidents. Heather was two days away from her 18th birthday when the shooting occurred during her senior year at Columbine High School. After barricading in a small office for three hours, a SWAT group rescued her and the other students. Heather returned home physically uninjured, but the effects of the trauma she experienced that day continued to impact her in the following years. With the Rebels Project, Heather has traveled to impacted communities to connect with survivors and help provide insight into the journey toward recovery and healing. And the Rebels Project hosts an annual survivor retreat where survivors from around the country come together for a long weekend of healing and connection. As a national speaker, she advocates for informed responses to traumatic events from the perspective of a survivor and currently resides in Colorado, where she teaches high school English in Aurora, Colorado. The Rebels Project was founded in 2012, shortly after the Aurora movie theater shootout. Um, It was founded by uh, Heather and a number of other mass tragedy survivors, and not just Columbine survivors, but of several other mass tragedies. And the Rebels Project seeks to embrace, support, and connect survivors of mass tragedy and trauma by creating a safe environment to share unique resources, experiences, and provide education surrounding the variant effects of mass trauma. It's the largest peer support organization in the nation. Enjoy the show. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you getting on the show and and talking to my listeners on Let's Talk Small Data with T. Um, Thank you. I know you hear this 
probably a million times um, as you're doing all of your talking across the nation. Thank you so much for what you're doing. And I know like retelling the story <laughs> over and over uh, and reliving it for the purposes of helping someone else. So it's, it's awesome. I love what you do. And thank you for joining me today to talk about the Rebels Project. Um, thank you so much for having me. It's truly an honor. Yeah, no, it's an honor uh, to be on here with you. Um, I guess we can just go ahead and, and just start with a brief introduction of you. Tell us a little bit about you and your background and where are you where are you coming from? Where are you physically in the world nowadays? Um, all right. Well, my name is Heather Martin, and I am a high school English teacher. I teach seniors. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also a Columbine survivor. So I was a freshman the year of the shootings in Columbine okay. in 1999. Mm -hmm. And right now I live in Lone Tree, Colorado. Very nice. Thank you. And to my listeners in the notes of the show, there's actually a link where you can listen to Heather's full story of what happened in Columbine, um, as she just mentioned, as well as her bio and some other stuff, uh, like how to contact her. Um, so tell us about the Rebels Project. What is that? How did it come to be? What's its mission? Yeah, so the Rebels Project is named for the Columbine Rebels. That was our mascot. And okay. We started in the wake of the shooting in the Aurora Theater, um, which was 13 years after the shooting in Columbine. Okay. And geographically, Aurora, Colorado is about 30 miles from Littleton, Colorado, which is where uh, Columbine is. Okay. Um, so we started it kind of in desperation at first, where it was after every large scale event after Columbine, it... Mm -hmm it kind of re-traumatizes and brings back a lot of memories. But I mm -hmm. think that the most powerful feeling is the helplessness. Um, okay. So it was started basically on our end where we were like, oh my gosh, we feel so helpless. What can we possibly do to help? Um, and the answer was, you know, provide what we didn't have access to in 1999, which is other people who got it, who understood what we were going through right. um, and who wouldn't judge us for our stories. So started in 2012, we're coming mm -hmm. up on 10 years and it's essentially a peer support network. Okay. Uh, it's the largest in the nation. Um, so we do have a private online group, um, mm -hmm. but we also have different programs within that. Uh, we have a pen pal program where we connect okay. survivors directly with each other. Um, and the people in our group are directly impacted by some kind of, uh, mass trauma. So we call it a mass trauma basically because the people in our group are not all mass shooting survivors. We do have survivors of stabbings or bombings, um, as well, but it's something that sort of happens on like a mass scale. And typically one of the unique things about these traumas is the media's role in, in the trauma and in the aftermath okay. and how that can be re-traumatizing. So now we, we hold an annual retreat where we, you know, bring survivors out to Colorado. Um, fortunately slash unfortunately, we have a lot of events in this state. Um, so it's easier for us to physically connect with each other. 
Um, so we do hold it here in Colorado and it's actually okay. this coming up weekend um, will be okay. our annual retreat. Um, yeah, I feel like we do like so much stuff that I'm like, oh, what did I blank on? Um, we also <laughs> pay for therapy, uh, like professional therapy for survivors. Right. Um, something that we learned when we started the Rebels Project, like I mentioned, it was 13 years after the shooting at Columbine, was yeah. that we still needed help 13 years later. So we yeah. knew that it, it's, it's a long, you're in for the long haul. Like right. it does get better. Like, it's not all terrible. It's not all, you know, awful. Yeah. It certainly gets better, but um, it doesn't just go away. I think like, like, you know, the world moves on, the media moves on, but, mm -hmm. but you don't. Um, and that, right. is, yeah, causes a lot of struggle. No, totally. I mean, it's, uh, I've been talking to a lot of my podcast guests about the different things they're involved in. And one thing that always comes up is mental health you know, mental health services, and there are gaps. There are gaps amongst, you know, certain populations and, and, and different things and in general. You guys also um, connect your members to behavioral health, mental health providers, and organizations that can help in that respect? Right. So yes, we do connect them with um, some professional mental health services. Mm -hmm. So our expertise lies in peer support, um, okay. which is very, it, it, sometimes it can serve as like a first step for everything else Yeah. because you start connecting with others who get it, who have been through it and mm -hmm. they validate it. And then you get to hear all of their stories. And we don't like, we're not about talking about the day of whatever event, you know, it's yeah. really about how we cope in the aftermath and being able to connect with so many different people and what works and what doesn't work for right. any number of people is, is really a gem. Like it, it's hard to measure the impact of peer support because it really is so narrative based. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's real power in bringing folks together who get you, who relate and can hold your hand and walk through it. I mean, I've seen the power of peer support programs time and time again, as I've mentioned before, I've been in healthcare uh, for over 25 years, <laughs> dating myself, uh, spent a lot of time in HIV AIDS care and peer support was like critical um, with getting folks into care sooner rather than later. Um, same thing with mental health. Um, and different support required to kind of deal with the now what? You know, we've had this thing happen, okay, it's a lot of trauma, um, and now how do, we, how do we move past this and live our lives um, in the best way? That's what I love about the Rebels Project, that um, it, a lot of folks may say, okay, well, why is this on Let's Talk Small Data with T? You know, because small data is all about the power of small data and small data really allows you to take action and move forward. And that's what the Rebels Project is doing is taking action by offering these peer support services and, and tools to help connect folks so that they can move forward with life. And that's why I wanted to have Heather on and introduce the Rebels Project. Um, to my listeners, because I just so love what you all are doing. And it's, it's awesome. And the fact that 
you found your way into the profession that you're in now, back in the schools. Teaching is profound, not profound, but I, I, I love that. Thank you for that. You're such a strong person. I really hope that I can too have such an impact on folks in my life as you have. Um, so we talked about this in our previous meeting, but the state of the long-term support, you know, for survivors of mass tragedy, you know, and, and attacks, um, it's not really where it needs to be. Um, can we just talk a little bit about that? your feelings about that and kind of where we need to focus to kind of improve that situation and who would need to be involved. Yeah, it's, it's really a case of not enough resources okay. because what initially happens um, after an event is, you know, there's a bunch of uh, GoFundMes and there's a bunch of organizations that collect donations in the immediate aftermath. And mm -hmm. typically the purpose of that is to go toward the, the victims' families um, and those, the areas of like immediate need, which is, you know, there is a huge need for that. That clearly has to happen. Like there right. is no, um, I guess there's no either or in this case. What I would like to see is a little bit more spotlight or emphasis on, you know, in addition to that, the long-term needs of survivors need to be taken into consideration. Um, and I found, you know, for me personally, I sought a little bit of mental health, like professional therapy a year later. Um, mm -hmm. But this poor woman who was incredible, but had no idea what to do with me and my that specific trauma. And that was a year later. Um, and a lot of the funds for Columbine, um, we had three years to take advantage of those funds. And if we didn't take them within three years, then they were gone. Um, so there are like sunset clauses with funding, um, or at least there used to be, it depends on the organization. Um, so yeah, it's the unfortunate thing for me, I feel like is I have to constantly sort of justify this need that. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, really, we do still need this help. Like there are survivors out there that still need support and right. therapy is not cheap. Like it's not cheap. Even accessing therapy is difficult. Finding the right therapist is difficult, um, for you personally. And then additionally, finding a therapist who's able to help you with this particular type of trauma, like um, trauma informed therapy, I think they call it right. So there is, there's a difference between being trauma trained and trauma informed. Right. Okay. So, okay. Um, but again, there's also the uniqueness of the person and the individual and what they're looking for and what they're, you know, it can be complex trauma, depending on what's happened, you know, previously in their lives. Right. And I think one of the beauties of the rebels project is, you know, we'll have someone post on our forum, like, Hey, I'm thinking about trying EMDR therapy. You know, what experience have you guys had? And then there's, you know, 50 people that will chime in with their different experiences and, you know, yeah. maybe mistakes that were made, like, Hey, make sure you don't do this or try not to do this. Oh. Avoid this. So okay. it's really just getting input from these people that have, have walked the walk, you know, and they're done that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's really, they say you, you really, you can, you can, how do they say empathize, but you really don't know unless you experience it and you can speak to it 
from that perspective. It's very different than mm -hmm. <laughs> empathizing and sympathizing and all of that. Thank you for that. Um, so I'm almost curious uh, to, to get on the, the computer and do some research of my own, you know, being a data person and wondering, if I'm, there has to have been some research projects out there that kind of study three years later, 10 years later, 20 years later, 50 years later, where people land and like, what happens to folks after these events and kind of like where they go and what the gaps are. Um, if you find that research, I would love <laughs> to send it um, I was just recently reading, there was a report that came out after Sandy Hook and it was like a okay. five-year report. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously they're coming up on 10 years as well. Um, so it's a little bit outdated in that sense, but mm -hmm. it does study up until 2017, mm -hmm. what the community's needs were and what the survivors needs were. Um, but there truly isn't a lot of long-term data out there. Um, I know, yeah, I've just, been, I've been emailing some friends of mine because really what that means for us at the Rebels Project, like why we need data is so that we can get funding. We are, I mentioned I'm a high school teacher. That's like my real job. That's what I do. You know, <laughs> I say like full time, but yes, I do. You know, I don't work during the summers, but um, I do work on the Rebels Project over the summer. Okay. Um, but we, we're all volunteers. Like none of us earn a paycheck with the Rebels Project where all the volunteers are survivors of various events. Mm -hmm. And so getting funding can be, can be tough for us, especially like federal, federally mm -hmm. funded grants. Yeah. Um, you know, our fundraisers come from like, oh, we've got some silent auctions and we've got some private donors and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's where data would be. I mean, I teach English, so I made this joke before, but like I adding is a struggle for me. My poor students have to tell me groups of three and how many groups of three we can have. <laughs> I can't do it on the fly like that. Um, I mean, just kidding. I'm testing them. I'm testing their math skills, uh -huh, right? Uh -huh. um, yeah, but the data that would go a long way for helping us totally. out. Well, you know what? I mean, if I can do, I am a data person. I love working on databases and I build databases and reports. And if it's anything I can help you guys out with, please let me know. Um, definitely would love to help volunteer, of course. I'm also uh, putting a call out there to my listeners. You hear um, what Heather is saying and what her needs are. And please get in touch with her or me directly and, and we, can, we can help you know, support the Rebels Project and all of the survivors and families um, that are impacted. Because um, it's, it's a beautiful thing. We're here to help each other, right? I mean, so um, that's the whole purpose of the, the organization. I love it. Um, so in terms of, I had on the agenda there, um, how do we, what does a better tomorrow look like for long-term support? Does it involve us um, working on the training for the teachers? Like, do we better equip our teachers with serving students? I'm talking about schools now, these shootings that are happening in the schools. And I, I read somewhere that in as of May 2022, there have been about 27 already um, shootings in schools and overall 250 mass shootings in this country. Um, and that was like 
the beginning of, I think the end of May. So it may be higher now. And I actually, I got um, a message from my son who is four years old, his school teacher, his daycare preschool teacher telling me that he built a makeshift gun out of Lego bricks. Um, and today he's doing the same thing and he's putting different colors. I said, okay, where this is coming from is the influence of his older brothers playing Nerf gun war, you know, in the house. So everyone's like, like this, okay. Um, but in terms of supporting survivors and children and educating them and, and getting them prepared and all of that, do we do something with the teachers um, to contribute to this better tomorrow um, that I was talking about in terms of long-term support? Well, it's really about a balancing act. And mm -hmm. one thing that I'm really grateful for with my experiences and my struggles in recovering from, you know, a mass trauma like Columbine mm -hmm. is that it really has made me a more compassionate person. Mm -hmm. um, and being able to recognize in my students in particular, like it's, you know, they're not trying to be, um, what's the word? I mean, I don't really, I can't even think of a disrespectful student off the top of my head. So I don't even want to use that word, but I've heard like other teachers, you know, like if a student is maybe being unruly or whatever it is, like yeah. it's, I mean, it could be you, but like, it's probably more about them and something that they're experiencing internally. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So really being able to step out of, you know, it's not personal. Um, so just knowing that, you know, if, yeah, I, I'm trying to think of like particular examples that I, that I practice in my classroom. Like one of them is that like, I don't do a seating chart. Um, granted I have seniors, I get that it's different for different, you know, age appropriateness, all mm -hmm. of that. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I want a student to be able to sit near the door if they want to, or what if they want to be able to see the exit, you know, like, Right. And that's my preference. Like my preference is always to see an exit when I go out to a restaurant. Um, okay. So there's just these things that I am more aware of because I've personally experienced it, that okay. when I can see it mirrored in someone else, and maybe it isn't, maybe I'm projecting, like that's always like something as well, but I'm just like, yeah. never, that's something that like they need, like they have that need right. and, you know, don't judge people for like, I call them their weirdness that I don't mean to be offensive by that at all. But like, I, I have like weirdnesses. Like I don't like going to the grocery store. I haven't liked going to the grocery store for, it's been 23 years since Columbine, 23 years. Um, I still like go sometimes, but like, thankfully we've got the delivery service and I'm like that person. Like, I love it. I love that I can do that and not have to worry about that. So when it comes to training, I think it's really about like compassion, mm -hmm. um, equity comes into that, but you'll never, like, you'll never be able to be able to work with everyone's triggers. <laughs> like that's never yeah. going to happen. Um, but you can be aware of specific ones, or at least just know that there are. Exactly. People Knowing are, that they're, 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 they're there, they could be there. Yeah. Right. And how to identify certain things so that you can act quickly. Yeah. Um, I know I'm trying to think of just, 
I went and talked to one of my college professors right after graduation and I had dropped out of college at one point, but, um, I told her that I couldn't write my English paper. It was something on school violence or something. And she was like, well, you know, you have to write the paper. You're going to fail the class. So I failed English class in college. Um, so having those experiences too, like, I'm not going to be that person. Like if right. somebody's going to be brave enough to tell me about their, just something that they can or can't do, like don't yeah. feel comfortable doing, I should put it that way. Then honor that, listen to people. You know, I don't, to me, I'm just like, listen, they're not lying. Survivors don't love that. They have the weirdnesses, like they're embarrassed by it. So if they're brave enough to tell you about it, like listen to them. Right. No, totally. And I think, uh, we all have weirdnesses, you know, we've all experienced different things. It may not be mass shootings or mass trauma and all of that, but there, there, there is trauma, you know, in our lives. It may not be at the Columbine level, but, you know, I've experienced trauma myself. I mean, even the death of a loved one close to you is that's a trauma and may trigger certain things. You know, um, I remember little clips of my childhood that it seems stupid to other people, but those little clips are there because they were so intense at the moment and kind of set something through my adulthood that I have to deal with. I mean, things like you were saying, like you not going to the supermarket, is that coming from the Columbine experience, do you think? Or having to see the door, the exit, when you go to restaurants, is that because of the whole Columbine experience? Okay. Most of those are from Columbine, but I would say also that like it, it's not limited to like mass shootings or mass violence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. We all have a lem- level of trauma from like the world today. Like yeah. I mean, we all just sort of went through a big pandemic trauma. I mean, pandemic. Technically yeah. going through it, but it's really important. I think for people to not compare like traumas, like there's not like nobody's trauma is better or worse. <laughs> than somebody else's, you know, like I have, it's the saddest thing. If I'm talking to students, either my students, or even when I'm connecting with current students who have lived through like a school shooting, um, like much younger than me. Um, and they're like, well, only X amount of people died in mine. And I'm like, Whoa, like, boy, like that is, that hurts my heart. Um, because I get it. Like I minimized my own stuff because I was physically uninjured, Mm -hmm. but that's not what it's about. Right. Like you can be traumatized and having a loved one die. Oh my gosh. That is. Yeah. Think of other words except for quantifying words, but like, that's a huge trauma. Yeah. And then I, I I think I heard you speaking on a a talk recently and you were talking about the survivor's guilt, right? Mm -hmm. So that's something else you have to deal with. Um, like, why did you walk out? And these folks lost their lives or, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I said I didn't want to <laughs> go into Columbine or anything, but, you know, I don't want to be one of those talk show hosts that make you relive that. Um, I want to focus on the great stuff that the Rebels Project is doing, and it's so awesome. And anyone looking to learn more about uh, what, what, what did you call it? The annual event that you're having? 
Uh, it's right the now? annual retreat. Annual um, retreat. Mm-hmm. Um, are anyone invited to attend that or is it? Uh... It is very private to survivors who are directly okay. impacted. And okay. really what that boils down to is it's just a, like, we've all sort of been, had our fair share of being exploited by the media and, mm. um, you know, accused right. of being trauma actors or whatever whatever so um the event itself is private um if you are you know a survivor please reach out to us you can find us um but we are always happy for like support and community support um totally and what is the best way for people to reach the the project or you um i would go through the website we do have um, just like a general contact. My email is heather at rebelsproject.org. So it's pretty, you know, easy to figure out, but, um, you know, check us out, check out our website so you can see all the awesome things and the programs that we do offer. Um, and- very beautiful video there also, um, to see, uh, the stuff you guys are doing. And again, for anyone listening, I will have all the information in the notes of the show, um, and links to uh, the website and and information as uh, Heather has shared. Um, So you don't have to worry about trying to write it down now. It'll be all in the bottom of the show. So um, Heather, thank you so much for joining. We are coming to the end of the time. I just thought it was so important to really introduce the Rebels Project to my listeners because I've really made this year a focus. Uh, I wanted to focus not so much on small data and different projects within healthcare, but specifically child and youth, mental health and well-being, and how we're using data and how we're doing things in the world to benefit that population. And this is totally one. And um, I'm definitely going to be doing some research to find some data that out there that can help you all in your effort to get funded. Um, I do have a lot of experience and a lot of connection with folks who are successful grant writers and have connections with, with folks that may be able to help. And Thank you yeah. so much, Michael. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> I would, I mean, I want to be a part of the solution as well. I want to be part of the clan. So I'm going to <laughs> reach into my network and see who I can connect you with to try and help. Um, but once again, thank you so much for all that you do. And um, you're awesome. Thank you so much for having me and for your questions. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Effective Information Management Assistance, specializing in healthcare small data and offering expertise that goes beyond technology. Visit www.eima.com.